Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and today's episode was one so smart that I have to admit I had to Google Translate some terms just to follow along with the guest. But don't worry, I break it down for you. My guest on this episode is Palvishay Tariq, who has the most outrageously inspiring story. She went from being homeless to being a mindfulness coach. And this story contains a lot of heavy thoughts. So just to give you a little warning, we do speak about suicide, we do speak about death, but there is always a positive end to the story. So stick around if you're feeling up for it. If not, no worries. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. If you are sticking with us, just know that this is the kind of episode that's going to get you thinking about your own past, about what's happening in the present, and about the future. We get into metaverses, meditation, and everything in between. Kill the intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe, not your average Joe. She's not your average Joe. So how's it going? It's going well. Day before yesterday, I meditated for seven and a half hours. Did you block off your calendar? Like, how do you even make that work? Um, what was it? It was the day when you and I had a the scheduled and all my meetings just got canceled that day. And I was like, okay, universe, I see you. <laughs> so like, I took the time to reflect and like, I don't know. Everything is and it isn't at the same time. Like it's occurring to me like I am and I am not I am and I am not Let's yeah. get that on a t-shirt. At the same time. And you know, like I used to think like, oh, I do these things and I don't do these things. So I must be this kind of person. But like personality is not who we are are we like, are the consciousness experiencing the personality yeah. like what is what does the self even mean we're gonna get into it i'm so happy to talk to you because like what an intro like this is not even the first minute so first of all i'd love for you to introduce yourself to the world who are you where are you and then we're gonna get into the backstory okay so who am i i am a consciousness <laughs> That is realizing that, you know, those who flow as life flows know that they need no other force. Wow. Is that a quote that you got from someone or did you just make that up? Uh, no, that's from the Tao Te Ching um, by Lao Tzu. There's so much that I want to get into. It's going to be hard to even stay on one topic because you've had multiple lives from our first chat. Like you... Let's start at the beginning. Let's talk a little bit about childhood. We share this dual identity when it comes to talking about the things that we are, right? Like by society standards, <laughs> like we are multicultural. Let's talk about where you're from, the culture. Let's go down the road of education. And then let's go, hopefully we'll make it all the way to the end where we talk about the quantum physics and the degrees, but then even beyond that, 
your ability to meditate for seven hours. Like, there's a lot that we got to get into, okay? Okay, okay. So I was born in New York, Brooklyn, New York, 1991. Uh, and when my mother was pregnant with me, she found out my dad had a secret family. And it was not an easy transition. It was an arranged marriage from, you know, she was in Pakistan, my they had an arranged marriage and then like they came to America and my older sister was already born. And when, once my mom found out, my dad was like, all right, cat's out of the bag. Um, and so he stopped pretending and she was kind of out there to fend for herself. And so I was put up for adoption to family in Pakistan and uh, the family that did adopt me, they couldn't conceive children for seven years. And then the year after they adopted me, they conceived their first child. And then the year after that, they conceived their second child. And then the year after that, they conceived their third child and they call me their good luck charm. Uh, I was the favorite. I still am. <laughs> And then there was another twist, which when you told me, I was shocked. This is like a telenovela, like Pakistan edition. Um, yes. So my biological parents came back to Pakistan when I was six years old. And we're like, we want our child back. We want to put our family back together. Uh, and by that point, my younger brother was born as well. So in my biological family, I'm the middle child. Uh, and so we, I came back to America in 1997. And the transition was not easy. It was a toxic, abusive household. I was abused in many ways as a child. I received beatings on a regular basis. And when I was 16 or 17, I ran away from home. And that was my senior year of high school. And I was homeless for that entire year. I spent quite a few nights on park benches until I got a scholarship to the University of Florida, where I studied mathematics, political science, and linguistics. Uh, and I met my husband there, who I did not treat very well. I treated him the way my mother treated me. And I was so anxious and confused about what life is and why I was brought in, in onto this planet, like by people who didn't want to be alive to begin with. And so I distracted myself and went and did my master's at Harvard in finance. Um, this is, I just, I, I need to pause. Like, this is not a normal thing for somebody to distract themselves with. Like, yeah, I'm kind of stressed. Let me go do a little pit stop and get a master's in Harvard. Like, there's a lot there that I'm so, like, shocked by. How were you able to stay focused on anything when you're sleeping on park benches? Like, how did you even have the resources and bandwidth mentally to apply for college what was the thing inside of you that said i need to get out of this situation uh you know survival mode i feel like when we're really put to the test uh, we have two choices we can just give up and be like no this is just how life is or we can be like no i'm i can create my own life and the resources the public library is free we pay taxes for this reason. 
<laughs> not your average Joe tip number one. The not so average Joe knows that no matter how difficult the situation may be, there are usually resources available to you for free. In Palva's case, it was the library. In other people's cases, it might be the knowledge of family members, friends. For me, it was a combo of things. I lived in the library. I used up all of the juice in those computers, but I also picked the parents' brains of my friends. It's pretty amazing to realize that even when there's no obvious door to walk out of, there's usually a window if you're clever enough to look for one. When you were around 15, 16, this is when you realized like, I gotta take matters into my own hands. It's time to get out of the house. Um, I was 10 when I decided I wanted to run away from home. So you had been cooking up and plotting your plan for like seven, yes. six, seven years. Yes. Um, I got my mother to teach me how to cook in the meantime. For that reason, I learned how to sew. Um, I would volunteer to do taxes um, and when my sister, my older sister, she went to college the year before me and I did the entire application process and the financial aid process so that I could learn for the year that I was going to leave. And I made copies of my parents' tax returns and applied within the same year so that like their tax returns would show that they didn't make enough so that I could apply for financial aid and get scholarships. Was there a person or people in your life that taught you how to do these things or kind of mentioned, hey, maybe you should start planning ahead or was it just innate? No, this was, this was innate. This was, I was too scared to share with anyone what was going on. Um, so yeah, this was all motivated by survival mode. Cause you know, that is impressive. That's like your, have you thought about your childlike version and and kind of put yourself back in that headspace? What was 14, 15 year old Palva thinking? <laughs> um, she was thinking that she knows better. <laughs> and honestly, in a lot of ways she did know better. I look back at my life and I'm like, wow, could I do that today? Could I just go be homeless by choice? I don't know. <laughs> so there was a willingness to take risk, a big risk, because you're talking about sleeping on park benches. I mean, you were in the East Coast, right? Massachusetts. This was uh, in Florida, actually. Um, and I did hop from some friends' houses uh, until, like, you know, my best friend at the time, it was, this was March of 2009, where his parents were finally, like, just come stay with us until you get into college. And so I stayed with them from March to June of 2009. So you had these guardian angels along the way? Yes, yes. Okay, so now we are graduated. We've graduated from our undergrad in Florida, fully self-sufficient. We are now married. We are now married. At like 22 years old. Yes. Super young. But at the time you thought this was your life partner, we're gonna buckle down. Did you know what you wanted out of life around 21 when you were in college? No, I thought I wanted money. And, you know, Harvard was this dream because I remember when I was 12 years old, my mother asked me uh, or my father asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And my, I said, I, I want to go to Harvard Law. And my mother said, be realistic you're going to have an arranged marriage and have children. That is not what happened. No. So a lot of times the people say these kinds of things to many people along the way are like, oh, PV, you, you're unfocused. You're constantly doing so many different things. And my response to that is focus on you. 
because like my motivation has been different from other people. In fact, when people say things like, oh, you can't do that, that really drives me. I'm like, watch me. You are motivated by really walking to the beat of your own drum is what it yeah. seems like. It's like, since you were a kid, if you're 10 years old and you already know that I got to get out of here because I got to do, I got to focus on me, that's the through line. If we're picking through lines here, that's like one of the major ones. I've only known you for two Zoom calls, this being the second one. And I'm like, damn, this chick is badass. She's hardcore. And I think it's so inspirational because right now, especially as like we think about this year coming up or we're both, you're in your, you're 30 and I'm going to hit 30 this year. I think there's like a shift in how do we want to live the rest of our lives. Personally, I relate to your journey because I think I went down the checklist of things that I needed to do as well, right? Like in my vision of success, I was going to get a bachelor's degree. I was going to, initially I thought I was going to work for somebody else, like in an international company and kill myself working my way up the corporate ladder to be the first like minority, badass female CEO. Quickly, I realized I don't want to work for anybody else, but I was still climbing. I was still on this chase for success, which is when I started the YouTube channel. And then I'm like, I need to hit a million subscribers. And then I did way sooner than I thought I would. And then I'm like, I need a show on Netflix. Then I got a show on Netflix. And then now I'm like, shit, I did everything. Now what? And you have a very similar journey. So let's walk walk through that part of your journey. You thought you wanted money, but then... And I got it. Because after, after I uh, finished Harvard, I... Uh, started a crypto hedge fund where we created masternodes uh, for block with blockchain technology and we had zero losses which was great and then I sold the company um, and I made a pretty penny it's part of how I was able to survive moving forward um, I also started a blockchain think tank um, and I'm repurposing that into a metaverse think tank because I have a vision for the future of humanity where we can integrate virtual reality and technology with nature and mindful practices. Um, and we will get into that. <laughs> you are like a superhero. And I can't believe you literally went from being homeless to your the things that come out of your mouth Pavel, are so smart like i don't think you understand i am like what hold on let me take out a notebook like let's go back to the basics so you got your you got a dual masters at harvard in what exactly uh software engineering and finance and with that you created a company based on cryptocurrency mark it was a cryptocurrency marketplace yes this, so this was masternodes um which are actually not that complicated and basically what happens is like you act as the landlord for all of the people mining coins and then you take the majority of the profits and they get like a, a little bit to survive uh so they use up all of the processing power to mine coins and you kind of just let the master node run and it you it's a coding process essentially how do you even come up with an idea like that um master nodes if you get into the crypto space this is a very common thing um and at the time i had a friend who recommended this and he joined the blockchain uh think tank and we kind of brainstormed together to create this and it was all motivated to make money we were in our 20s so like yeah you know i i see all these finance bros out there in their 20s like oh yeah bitcoin making tons of money it's like 
money. That's an imagined reality. Not your average Joe, tip number two. The not so average Joe knows that using money as a motivator will only get you so far. Of course, we need money to survive, but from all of the most successful and richest people that I've met, their motivation has always been deeper than the surface. That's what keeps them going after they've quote unquote made it. I feel like no one really tells you that unless you listen to conversations like this. No one tells you in the beginning of your money journey that at the end, because you will get it, right? It's like we can get into manifestation, which I know we will, but it's like if you really want something, you will most likely manifest it and then it's going to happen. And then no one tells you what happens next which is this reality check that money doesn't actually matter like of course we need money to survive but living a life chasing money is not a meaningful one yeah so you did the money part when did it sink in that the money part wasn't everything uh afterwards after i finished harvard especially i was like i thought this would feel different i thought i would be in this wonderful place and be like yeah i like i fucking did it all i'm a badass and i felt like poo-poo wrapped up in pretty wrapping paper <laughs> why able to do it well because along the way I was diagnosed with ADD and nobody asked me hey so when you zone out what happens so I never reflected on that and it wasn't until December of 2020 which is not that long ago that I realized oh shit when I zone out and start having panic attacks it's because there's this whole story going on in my head where I'm having arguments with my mother justifying all of my life decisions and be assuming like and then she would say this and then I would say this um and like all our family members are sitting around watching and I'm just like wait imagined realities wow do you remember like where you were when you had this realization so i was in my fiance's parents home uh where he grew up and this uh uh kind of all manifested because i was looking out the kitchen window in this huge yard in ohio it's such a peaceful life you can hear all the birds chirping and i just thought to myself wow what an amazing life he grew up in and like the little voice inside my head started saying you don't deserve this you're a runner you'll always be a runner because I did get divorced so like I told myself I was running away from marriage commitment ah too much too much um and so like and I started having a panic attack and my vision started going and I went up to his uh, bedroom and I sat down um, and it was only then that I realized, oh, all of these, this is happening because in the background, my processor is like overheating, having this argument with my mother. I really like how you call your overthinking a processor. When I was young, my grandma asked me why I was able to learn English so fast and why she had such a hard time. And I was like six years old and I told her, I was like, grandma, because our brains are like computers and yours is just a little bit more full and mine is empty. I have nothing in it. So it runs faster. And you said this when you were six? Yeah. And I actually interviewed my grandma. She's since passed away, but I have a video of her telling that story to me. She's like, I thought you were the weirdest, smartest kid because I had never thought about it like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's obvious. Like everything that goes in our mind, we have a limited storage capacity. So you have to be aware of what you put in it, because if you're putting in a bunch of shit or you're letting a bunch of clutter in there, you're not going to have space to to do whatever's necessary for a healing or for thinking or for communicating effectively. And it sounds like you hit that burnout mentally 
like processor is overheated with these loops of things from your past, which I think happens to everyone. Yeah, Adderall didn't help. It was like, it made me think, oh, wow, I can access so much more of my brain now. Um, and I can focus and like really just like do all the fucking things. And I did do all the fucking things, you know, like, and it was just, it hollowed me out. It hollowed me out. And I, in order to cope with it, I was drinking handles of whiskey daily. So now it's like bad habits, but you're getting positive affirmations from the outside world because people are like, holy shit, you're killing the game. You're a genius. You're going to be a billionaire. And you're probably thinking externally like, yeah, I'm the shit. And then inside you felt like garbage. Yes. I felt like on the outside, it looks like everything is going really well. But on the inside, it feels like everything's hitting the fucking fan. shit like um and yeah in order to distract myself i went and did a doctorate in quantum physics dude who are you i don't know if you understand what distracting means baby girl like distracting is not getting another degree especially not a doctorate so first you distract yourself with a master's double master's and then you got a double doctorate correct no just one just one just one okay good three undergrads two masters one doctor which i didn't finish for the record so i don't want to put really bad ideas out there about myself but i never graduated i got all the way towards the end i didn't even apply for graduation uh because i was an alcoholic and depressed and suicidal i attempted suicide twice um and at the end of it, I was like, mm, I need to get divorced because I am treating this person really bad, really bad. I remember the last day I ran away from home, um, I got a pretty severe beating over not being able to find scotch tape. And, you know, my mother, I fell to the floor and my mother kicked me until she ran out of breath. And I was like, I'm never going to do this to anyone. And then I got into an abusive relationship and then I got out of that abusive relationship. And then my first husband, I was like, oh, safety. He's such a nice guy. He is such a nice guy. We're really great friends now. I'm so grateful he's forgiven me. But I remember the last fight we had, he, I was just being an asshole to him and just like tearing him down. And he fell to the floor crying and I almost kicked him. And you're just like, damn, this person that I thought I would never become, it's right in front of me. I, first of all, I just want to like, I want to let you know, it's so, um, it's a breath of fresh air when you hear someone talking about their shit, for lack of a better word, like their, their trauma, their past, everything with such honesty. Like you have to look at yourself in the face and be like, damn, this is a problem how can I address it? Or like, these are things that I want to improve. How do you get to the boiling point where you have no desire to even continue living? How do you get from that to then where you're at now, which seems like night and day? So I did a hard reset. I quit my job at uh, UF. I got divorced. I was like, okay, fuck it. You can have the house. I just don't care about anything like I don't even care about life and like the pandemic was happening and people are freaking out about dying and I was like I'm suicidal like death well let's mm, I could give a fuck 
Which is actually an advantage in that case because you have nothing to lose. Like if you're mentally yeah. okay with the worst case scenario, then you have nothing to lose. So you're, you have nothing but to grow. Like the only thing to do is go forward and to get better at that point. Yeah, and I remember one of my friends saying like, Pivi, how did you just pa- like move during this time? And I was like, I packed boxes picked them up and drove <laughs> like that's how like it, this imagined reality of living in fear um that I was just like having this existential crisis to begin with and so I left um and I came to Boston um and I was living with my boyfriend who is now my partner my life partner and uh I remember realizing, okay, it was springtime, all the flowers were blooming, which doesn't necessarily happen in Florida. Uh, It's so warm there that it's just like the changes in season kind of become like dull. There's no change in season. Um, And there was so much trauma associated with heat um, and hot weather that I was like, fuck this. And we, I come to Boston, there's pink flowers everywhere and life is blooming. And I was like, Ah, okay. But then a few months later, it was like, I'm still depressed. And it was because I was taking upwards of 120 milligrams of Adderall per day and drinking so much and taxing out my system. So I started the process of quitting. And so last year, January, I quit everything, nicotine, alcohol, Adderall and the withdrawals were severe. It was rough. It was rough. And you did that Um, during the pandemic as well. So you're like locked in your house where you could access anything that you want at any minute. I think the pandemic did the opposite for many people. It it caused them to go on these benders of drinking too much wine. mm -hmm. There were statistics that were showing that people were drinking record amount of alcohol because you're home, you're depressed. What else are you going to do? Right. Which is obviously not the best way to deal with anything. Like it's not the long term solution so kudos to you for picking probably the hardest time to wean yourself off of every crutch that you had yeah I mean I was already isolating myself from the world because I started having panic attacks my body started having panic attacks without me and I remember like walking into classrooms and just like fainting if you or anyone you know is in need of mental health support, I'm linking some resources in the show notes below. When we come back after the break, we talk about distractions, the fall of traditional education, the metaverse, and how to use technology consciously. Because if you thought tech ruled your life today, this is just the beginning. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. You have obviously been around tons of high performers. How many people do you think at that high operational level experience this kind of anxiety and panic attacks? Like how, what percentage would you give to your cohort at Harvard or, you know, in your doctorate program? Oh my goodness. Take a minute to breathe. So many of us, you know, people say, oh, wow, you know, PV, you're able to understand these like crazy things and you're gifted with this intellect, but no, I've cultivated the neural pathways and the being inside of it and integrated them together in order to allow that information in. And, you know, people don't talk about like what's going on inside. And now I can tell when someone's distracting themselves, so many people distract themselves with education. And you said that in air quotes for anyone who's listening, I am 100% on board with you. I have kind of like a a wishy-washy relationship with education. I love learning, but I never liked school. And I was always that student that was one foot in school and one foot out into the world. Whereas most of my friends were heavily involved in school. And then they went up and got their master's. Some of them are getting their doctorates. And I've always been like, shit, I wanted to drop out because I felt like I just learned so much more out of school, especially more that I actually wanted to learn and that I could actually apply. But I'm a nerd on the inside. So we're, we're nerds. I think we're curious humans. Like I always think about our baby versions. That's who we still are. It's this brain that's craving information, wants to soak up as much as possible. But then we do get into this educational system that strips away most of the curiosity that we're naturally born with. And it's easy to stay in this path. It's almost like a conveyor belt, like an educational conveyor belt. So why do you think people do it? Like, why did you distract yourself with all of these programs? Well, because the labels, the labels like, oh, now I've met Harvard. (laughs) But I realize now, like, I think right now we're seeing the fall of um, formalized academic institutions. And I think it's part of why uh, I am launching this uh, metaverse think tank with a group of wonderful people. In fact, you know, it was my mentor who was like, hey, would you like to repurpose the blockchain think tank into a metaverse think tank? And I don't know what, why it occurred to him because I was already thinking about it. And I was like, count me in. Um, And the reason I've been thinking about it is because I think it's really important for us to teach the next generation how to use technology consciously, because it seems that technology is evolving faster than consciousness itself. And like I said, I mean, I have this vision for the future of humanity where we can integrate technology with nature and mindfulness. Two things. One, can you break down what a metaverse think tank is for all of us who are fresh on the scene and two we never got to know more about your doctor program which was in quantum physics right right and it was mind-bending stuff um i remember doing a test a slit strip test uh where we push photons from one end uh, like of this like uh, little conveyor belt to the other and it was just a straight line and then we put a camera in the room to observe the behavior and those lines it started changing it, it they turned into waves and so like you know let's get into manifesting because I've been sitting around meditating a lot these days 
And I came back from the holidays and I was like, how do I get more people on my podcast? How do I get more coaching clients? How do I scale my, uh, my business? And minutes after that thought, you reached out to me. And then two people reached out to me as a people in desperate need of a life coach. And you know, that this quote earlier in the uh, episode, those who flow as life flows know that they need no other force. That where you're allowing, like, yes, there's this sense of willing, but allowing and willing are one in the same. And I look back on my life and I'm like, I had this will where there's a will, there's a way. And the universe was like, you want it? I'm going to protect you along the way. I could have been trafficked. And the universe was like, no, we're going to, we're going to guide you. We're going to hold you together. So really it's this power that the thought and the mind has. Now we're entering a stage where people are aware of it. And it took me a minute to realize what was happening in my own life. I'm big on reflecting, I'm big on journaling because it gives me the receipts of where I was at a specific stage in my life. And what I find fascinating is like, not only have I thought about the things that I've wanted, but I've written them down. So I know exactly when I, I said this thing or when I wanted this thing. And it actually got to the point where I got scared because everything that I've said in my life that I wanted, it has happened. Maybe not in the exact way that I thought it would happen, but it, it's happened faster than I could have imagined. And what you're saying is scientifically speaking, let's get a little nerdy for a second. When it comes to your background in quantum physics, that there's correlation between the science and this, you know, hippy dippy manifesting conversation that I've seen is true. What is the science behind it? It's important to note that we still don't know a lot. Like what, this is just what we're observing. You know, quantum entanglement is still, it's a theory, um, but like, you know, proofs, how theories exist in the academic realm is that you create them. And if you can't disprove it, then it is accepted as a theory. But like, it, there's no such thing as trying to prove it because what we've learned, and I'm seeing this in like reading the Tao Te Ching, is that as soon as you try to like start really looking deep into figuring out what's going on here, it's the same moment in which you kind of lose it. So like, there's a sense of being and belief. So what you're saying is if you observe your own behaviors, by observing them alone, they technically change. Yes, they they change behaviors in the universe. So like this is the butterfly effect. For all we know, this conversation you and I are having right now is creating a star in the universe. The, for all we know, recording it and observing it. What it sounds like is the most powerful thing we can do is look inward, reflect, not only on our actions, but reflect in general. And then mm. meditate, which is clearing out the processor. Right, because like a lot of times we ask the universe or God for things. And it's like a lot of us do that through prayer. Uh, but, you know, that's prayer is how you speak to God or the universe. Um, meditation is how the universe speaks to you. It's only when you you notice that, oh, my thoughts actually affect my body, your thoughts can heal you, but they can also make you sick. So, and you get to choose. And it's only when you push yourself out of the cycle of thought, emotion, thought, emotion, and then emotion, thought, emotion, thought, 
and realize, no, I can choose my thoughts wisely. There's a wisdom within. Not your average Joe, tip number three. Now, I read a really good book about this called The Untethered Soul. There are so many different pieces of literature, blogs, and podcasts talking about this. A not-so-average Joe knows that we are not our thoughts. We're simply observing the thoughts as a consciousness. In order to declutter the mind, it's essential that we silently reflect. If you don't have a clear-out-the-processor scheduled in your calendar on a weekly and daily basis, now's the time to start. And that wisdom comes when you sit silently and meditate. Well, so meditation has quite a few different um, definitions, I suppose. So you can meditate in many ways, like what you meditate on, what you think about, that is meditation. Like a lot of people think you sit in silence and like you become this enlightened being, whatever the fuck enlightened means. Um, But really what meditation is observing what's coming up. And you can meditate with your eyes open you can meditate when you're washing dishes pay attention to how the water feels on your hands and like you meditate just by looking and being like what's going on here you're putting yourself in the outsider seat almost like you're a spectator on your own experience Mm -hmm. and like we have the capability to rewire our neural pathways let's get into that i'm a huge science neuroscience lover to me learning language it's the same process for learning anything it's like you're creating new neural pathways and you mentioned it so how can you get into the practice of even developing new neural pathways is it just repetition studying what is it well so okay i remember in the beginning of last year anytime i would get agitated i would go to my bed and cry and in the in the midst of that I, it started occurring to me, oh, wait, PB, you can pick yourself up right now and choose not to cry. And it, it was hard. It was hard just to be like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Let it go. And I had to do that quite a few times before that pattern stopped. And those were the moments in which I was rewiring my brain. And like, so Joe Dispenza also talks about this quite a bit. Are you familiar with who Joe Dispenza is? Yeah, you mentioned him and I was looking it up and it's all about rewiring your brain and body with meditation. Yeah, and your thoughts that like your thoughts have power. And, you know, this guy, he was in an accident, uh, paralyzed from the neck down and doctors told him he wouldn't be able to move or walk again. And he healed vertebrae by vertebrae through meditation. And now he's out there teaching people that like, your thoughts can heal you they can make you sick as well though like so many if you look into traditional chinese medicine or ayurveda for example where they look at the whole being um they it does show that our thoughts and who we think we are resentment it can it's and stress it's correlated to cancer it's correlated to diabetes it's correlated to kidney problems or like it's all it all makes sense it's so challenging to remove yourself from the day-to-day struggle i think the reason why it's easier to focus on stress is because our system is is kind of wired in the way to make you stressed right like these societal needs whether it's chasing money or getting promotions in work these are all the opposite of what humans naturally want to do 
But because we've created this system that was supposed to make us more efficient, it's actually hurt us in the process. So how ironic is it that we were primitive in the beginning, then we became sophisticated, but that sophistication of money and jobs and education systems has actually removed our humanity from us. And now we're craving it. We're burning out. We're depressed. We're taking medications. We're drinking and taking drugs because we're craving what's human about being human. And in order to get back to that, we need to have like the most conscious effort on a day-to-day -day basis. Like you're saying you had to choose to stop, like you, you had to re remember that you had a choice. Everything is a choice. The universe works with you and re reacts to you. Like, so you get to choose what you want in life. All these like, these labels and these uh, social norms of like things as things should be and ought to be. But, you know, to change that narrative inside of your own mind, be like, should be or could be. Because I have a vision for humanity where technology and nature integrate. I'm so excited to see <laughs> what you come up with. I'm a super fan. Uh, let's let's get into some takeaways now. Like we've gone down your journey and it's obviously just the beginning, but having made such a drastic shift from following the shooting, right? Like you were shooting yourself and so was I and so are many of us throughout our early 20s. How do you go from that? Like what are the actual ways to stop shooting yourself and taking that step back and moving into a more conscious lifestyle where you're meditating, where you're observing, where you're planning the next chapter of your life based on what you actually want and not what you think you need to do based on what other people expect of you. It is interesting that people are so quick to tell others what to do, but don't necessarily take the time to tell themselves what to do. And so like, take that time, pay attention. The universe has a sense of humor. It's playing with itself. You are the universe experiencing itself. And, you know, there that thought combined with, I really like going outside, laying on the ground, looking at the sky and realizing I'm not looking up at all. I'm looking out in front of me. And so like those two thoughts remind me I am big and I am small at the same time. Not your average Joe, tip number four. After this conversation, I've realized that we all need to create our own reset buttons. For PV, it's getting out of nature. For me, it's laying on the floor on a carpet or writing in my journal. Sometimes I take myself out to dinner or I go for a hike. What's your reset button? Write it down and do it whenever you feel shaken off course because if you don't, honey, no one else will for you. Which brings us to the concept of being connected, that there's this connectivity that maybe we need to refresh. Do you think everything and all beings are connected? Yes. Yes. You know, I think about like what exactly is the boundary between air then turning into my skin, then my skin turning into blood and organs, and then my being deep down inside and others beings you know, we often think like, this is myself, this is who I am. And then there are others and those other things, other people. Uh, but that's separation is the biggest illusion. 
We're and all one in, within and without. I feel like separation or the like illusion of separation is what creates wars and it's what creates hatred and it's what's creating like xenophobia, right? It's the idea that you are you and I am me and we are different and I am better. Let's start a war. Yeah. It's like how, you know, it's, it's ego. Yeah, it's ego. So by zooming zooming out and just remembering that we are all connected or just being aware of it, Mm-hmm. would be good medicine for everyone it's it's tough because again we're battling the way that our society operates with what is natural energetically to us like human beings right. on the very basic primitive sense we are born in a tribe and you know we want to nurture and we want to love and we want to be empathetic that's the primitive baseline we crave love so it's ironic that we've created a society that actually kind of encourages the opposite in most cases until we have conversations like this. And we're like, oh, yeah, shit, we're all connected. We're all the same. We should all yeah. treat each other better. And to live in fear. I mean, I choose not to live in fear. I feel like the worst case scenario, I've come to the brink of them all being homeless, dying like death. I'm very comfortable with that idea. Um, and I see quite a few people living in fear of COVID. Oh no, we're going to die. Okay. Then let's make sure that today counts. Let's make sure that I'm sure, like, I believe in safety. Sure. But also I believe in freedom and creativity and I choose not to live in fear. And, you know, we don't all choose to be born. But we do, at one point, all choose to stay alive. So I ask you, why have you decided not to kill yourself today? I really enjoy talking about mortality because I, too, came into like a near-death experience. I got shot five years ago. It's going to be five years in February in the back, and the bullet is still in my spine. And every time I think about that, it reminds me, like, shit, I got to make today count. I got to walk around with these legs. I got to breathe that fresh air in. I got to call the people that make me the happiest that I make happy. And the idea of mortality is actually motivating to me. It's not as scary because when you come so close to it, you realize there's so much good. There's also a lot of bad, but there's so much more good. That's always been my philosophy. But if you don't have that experience with a near death kind of moment in your life, maybe it is more of a scary thing to think about than motivation but i guess for everybody listening i would love for you guys to be motivated by the fact that it is limit limited like this lifetime is limited so we got to make the the moments count the best of it yeah and you said these things uh this thing that i'd really like to touch on you said there's most of it is good but there is bad but like good and bad these are things we've assigned meaning to in our imagined reality Things are as they are, and you get to choose how you see the world. I feel like I would have so many less white hairs if I chose to look at whatever I quote unquote see as bad as good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. Like you see these uh, Buddhist monks who not a worry in the world. Um, It's like if you don't have a sense of self then you then you may not have an enemy either so do you think 
good homework is zoom out and remove yourself from the idea of yourself. Yeah, go outside, stand on grass, barefoot, ground yourself. We're little batteries and nature charges us. This is like a hippy dippy trippy like a flippy conversation. I love it. I love talking about this. And the coolest part is that you really do have this traditionally educational background, but the things that we're talking about are very spiritual, are very about energy and connectivity. Like where do you find that balance? I guess your your future is going to be connecting the two, which is by making the metaverse think tank. So let's get to that. Like what is a metaverse think tank? We have our first meeting next week and that's just it. Like on the dock is introductions and what we're going, what is this think tank for where we brainstorm? And my intention is to create a virtual reality school where we teach mindfulness because what i'm seeing is much like the internet um this metaverse will be if we educational education doesn't have a voice in the metaverse then it's going to be a free-for-all marketplace and probably a porn hub at which point technology will be taking advantage of our animalistic instincts and so like, how do we battle that? Because we're really looking at this future of like being in the matrix, essentially. Um, and uh, people are starting to have like these split versions of what the self is. What you're talking about is the whole online experience. It's getting more and more complex, right? Like people are buying virtual pieces of real estate, right. Bitcoin, NFTs. Is this what we're talking about when we say metaverse? Yes. Where, you know, NFTs can, I'm thinking of potentially buying space in the metaverse and like creating a virtual school, but also like, I don't know. And this is what the think tank is for, where I can brainstorm these ideas, uh, where we teach kids like how to breathe, how to use this technology, our bodies, because I believe this is the most advanced technology known to man. And the reason why we're dealing with technology taking over um, is because we're trying, we're so focused on artificial intelligence when we haven't even figured out real intelligence. And so, you know, to potentially teach kids like how to breathe, how to move, what life is like to think creatively and allow yourself to question things before we even introduce like okay so here is a phone this is how you use it social media has these effects you know Simon Sinek has tons of research showing that uh, social media and like these hits these dopamine hits that we get from these notifications are more addictive than alcohol and nicotine combined and both of those things have age limits on them and so like really start brainstorming, like how can we actually use the metaverse in a conscious kind of way and not just this place where you go to escape reality? Okay, I just had to Google metaverse because I've heard it. Facebook has rebranded itself to meta. And just to break it down, from my understanding, the metaverse is what they what people are saying, like Mark Zuckerberg and other tech moguls are saying is the future of the internet which would be kind of like a video game, kind of like alternate reality, kind of like Zoom channels where real human beings are operating in this virtual space with a virtual real estate, virtual schools, and that's where you want to focus 
to take the virtual part of it, but bring people back down to the core of being alive, connecting them to nature. Correct? Yes. Yes. We're, you know, um, I'm not sure if you've seen Black Panther or even Wonder Woman, where those movies do show how we were, how those communities integrated uh, technology with nature. And I just wonder, like, we're at a point in human history where that is actually possible. Like, that's possible, but, or we can go into the realm of the potentiality of being in a matrix where all, we're always plugged in. I think we already are there. We're always plugged in. We're always plugged into email, to phone. It's just going to get more sophisticated. So we need to do our part, which is being more conscious of what we consume, of how the things that we're consuming makes us react or feel. Because I agree. I mean, being a creator online, it's like I have this crazy thing that I'm always juggling I have to be on social media, but the irony is I'm a hippie on the inside, right? Like I love nature. I love being outside. I love talking to people. So I'm always struggling with the idea of feeding the beast, like sharing things. My career is is exactly that, but then turning it off and getting back to what matters or what, what I feel like grounds me. It's a muscle. It's totally a muscle and sometimes it gets weak. But I like I like the exercise of like just go outside barefoot and step on the grass. Yeah. But you know, yeah, because we are nature. That like it's it's all one and the same. I really like that. Palva, we are nature. When's the merch line coming out? <laughs> Maybe that's something we can work on together. <laughs> I would love that. I, I really like this conversation because I think uh a lot of the people that I know and talk to were thinking the same things. I have my journal club, which is all virtual and it's on Zoom and we meet twice a month. And I was just doing one-on-ones with the members yesterday. And I'm like, what's your favorite part about the club? And they were like, that we're using the internet to get back to what's human. And I'm like, see, this is how I want to use technology. It's, you know, we're going to be on Zoom. We're going to be online. But what we're doing with that time is journaling and being introspective and having discussions about like very primitive human things. To me that, like I didn't expect it to be like that, but that's what happened with the journal club. And I'm like, shit, this is not how the rest of the internet operates, right? Like we're really lucky to have found the community online, but how cool would it be if there were more communities like that? Like I would be down to live in a world where we're using technology for the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we could talk about this forever, but I would love to get your reading list. What are you reading? What books do you recommend for people that want to get more into this kind of topic? So currently I am reading Sapiens by Yuval Harari. And I'm also reading Recapture the Rapture, Rethinking God, Sex, and Death in a World That's Lost Its Mind by Jamie Wheel. Um, amazing mind-blowing stuff. I love thinkers who really question the status quo. Um, my favorite book I think of all time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Time is Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Um, Start with Why is a Good One Too by Simon Sinek. I have that one. I have, and I've read Sapiens, highly recommended. Now I have to add the other two to my list. Brilliant. And then the last thing is what tip would you give for somebody to be a not so average Joe? Like what is a tangible takeaway people can take from this conversation to be, to be a little bit more aware or awake or, or whatever you feel like would be beneficial. There are two activities that come to mind. Um, Stripping yourself of labels and rebuilding with core values. One of the exercises I really like doing with my clients is the three best and three worst decisions you've ever made. Um, and ask yourself why they were the best and worst. Because in in all of that, you will see what you, you actually value because your actions tell the true story. Um, you can also do the activity of like the three best and three worst things of being raised by your mother and your father individually. And then like the three best and three worst things of yourself in relationships and see if there are any connections. Um, and lastly, uh, add to bees to your to-do list, guys. Like, who do you want to be? Not just what do you want to do, because what you do is an extension of who you are. Everything is a byproduct of who you are. Your relationship with yourself, your relationship with the environment, with our environments, with the planet, with the universe all influence our relationships with people really the write down like who do you want to be what it would take to get to who you want to be um and what you would have then ask what you would have to do in order to become that person so zooming out the theme of today is zoom out right like, and zoom in at the same time inward zoom out by zooming in yeah because it is and it isn't at the same time joe it is and it isn't, and it was and it wasn't, and it will be I and it will not be. I am and I am it. Another one for the merch line. <laughs> Brilliant. And that's all for today. I am so happy with these conversations. I'm really digging this whole podcasting thing. Didn't know if I would. Turns out I do. I'm linking all of Palva's information in the show notes below. Don't forget to sign up for my newsletter, also linked in the show notes. Join me next week as we get into the Black History Month topics. I'm going to be calling some of my favorite creators, Black creators, and it's going to get really interesting. We're talking about travel, we're talking about fitness, we're talking about language learning, we're talking about life from the Black perspective. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate the show five stars wherever you're listening, and follow the show to get notified anytime we launch a new episode on Wednesdays. This episode was produced and edited by me and the show was mastered by Jeff Morrow. For daily tidbits, follow me at Joe underscore Franco on Instagram and across all social medias. And the pod has an account too, not your average Joe pod. Looking forward to catching you next week so we could all be a little less average. Hey yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? Shit.